0: Welcome to the Business Sense Maker Podcast, where we guide the listener through the basics, the art, and the science of business. I'm your host for this podcast, Dr. David Altunian, Associate Professor of Entrepreneurship and MBA Program Director in the Bill Monday School of Business at St. Edwards University in Austin, Texas. Welcome to Episode 3 of this podcast. In this series, we'll be discussing business basics important to anyone running a business, involved in a business, or just interested in how business works. While this podcast is intended for those that may not have formal training in business, this series should hopefully have nuggets of new information for everyone. Today, we're gonna cover uh, the organization and orientation of business and i'm trying something a little new since as you all know this is only the third episode of my podcast and i've invited my daughter jessica to join me for this conversation um jessica is a marketing manager for an education technology company in new york so she's the perfect target audience for this podcast so jessica i want to welcome you hi dad hi honey (laughs) all right so um Today, what we're going to talk about uh, is this is a follow-on to episode two, where we talked about the structure of business. And we talked about there are functions of business, there are business organizations, and then there are domains and disciplines of business. And at the end of the last podcast, I talked about the orientation or the facing components. So, you know, we talked about the three major focus or orientations are customer-facing functions, internally-facing functions, and externally-facing functions. And just as a reminder, a customer-facing function is a function that deals with customers and represents the company to customers every day. Um, an external-facing function is the function um, that deals with external groups that help you run your business. For example, suppliers, shipping companies, regulatory agencies, uh, those are all external uh, organizations that uh, a supplier or external-facing function uh, works with. And then lastly uh, is the internal focused um, internally focused functions uh, are the ones that keep the product you know they keep the company running they keep producing product they send out bills they develop new products they do manufacturing and production um, they do planning and execution in the case of advertising it may maybe the internal groups that work with the development teams and the sales teams to create marketing collateral for the marketplace their uh, interfaces to internal organizations not to customers or suppliers um and, and jessica you know what's your thought about these do these make sense where do you see how do you see these
1: um yeah these make sense and i think in education specifically they get even more fun because you know i work in a company that offers k12 curriculum so our customer facing side of our business has a few different facets there's the students interacting with our curriculum, the teachers interacting with our curriculum, which are very different audiences, and then the decision makers who are purchasing our product, which is a very different audience. Um, So it's really fun to think about your, I don't know if this is true in other industries or not, but to think about your customer base as really who is interfacing with your product and who is interfacing with your team directly. Um, that's involved in using your product, loving your product, and advocating for your product. Um, the, the It's okay. the internally focused one that I didn't fully understand, and I feel like it's been a learning curve for me coming into the business world because as a, I came in as a teacher – knowing that like okay there's a relationship between businesses and schools and then there's a relationship between businesses and the market who could be potential customers and partners and all these other kind of curriculum external agencies that interact with the business but the internal tools I had you know no concept of because in in teaching you know you work with the same kind of like you're you're, you're a consumer of things and and I guess that's the same in business but like in teaching we didn't use product uh, productivity apps or communication things like that and so having to learn a lot of new softwares just for doing my job as a marketer more easily i didn't fully anticipate that learning curve when i first entered into yeah. a business
0: well and if you think about the organization you know inside your business you have internally focused uh, team members that probably don't deal with customers or suppliers at all right i mean your development team uh, I mean, we're a really last. small
1: company, so not not right. But I've been at companies before where, yeah, we had members of our team who were not interfacing with our customers at all. Right,
0: and, and I think one of the reasons why we need to think about um, these orientations is, you know, first of all, there's a very different skill set needed for customer-facing people mm-hmm. uh, versus uh, internally or externally. The audiences that they work with are very different, um, and the orientation of the audience mm-hmm. can be. Uh, different so if you're an accounting um, person in the accounting department your audience is probably the CFO um, the product managers who are interested in what's going on with their products um, maybe the you know the CFO uh, his team of trying to understand what's going on with accounts payable and accounts receivable but they're really not worried mm-hmm. about the customers they're really not worried about um, Uh, suppliers, they're mostly worried about making sure that they're producing and providing the information needed Mm -hmm. by those internal organizations.
1: But also, I think if you're in a small, medium sized business, you're you're touching all three. All, you're touching all faces of the business,
0: right? But you have to understand the different skills that are Absolutely. required. If you know, if you're very customer, and this is an example I used in the last podcast, if you're very customer centric, you know, you need to think about the orientation or the interests of the the audiences you serve. So, if you're customer facing, you should be very customer sensitive, um, mm-hmm. and you should want to have a happy customer. But if you're supplier facing, You don't necessarily, you want to understand the needs of the supplier, but you don't want to satisfy the supplier to the point that you're, you know, risking your own business. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you need to understand the audiences and what they're looking for. Um, The other thing to think about is some of these orientations are revenue generating Mm -hmm. and some are cost generating. So, you know, uh, it's easy to justify hiring salespeople uh, because they're customer facing and they bring in revenue. You'll find a lot of organizations will skimp on customer support because they're considered a cost generator. But the reality is, is that they affect revenue directly. Mm-hmm. If you know a salesperson does a good job getting an account, but you don't have a good support team, you've wasted that effort. Mm-hmm. So you know, understanding for all three of them, which ones are cost generating, which ones are revenue generating. I'll give you another example in accounting. The accounts payable person is, you know, it's a cost. You're hiring somebody to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. But accounts receivable person actually brings revenue back in by uh, collecting on invoices. And a really good accounts receivable clerk is critical (laughs) because they improve your cash flow. They make Mm -hmm. sure you have cash on hand. So, you know, this other reason why I want to think about these external, you know, facing Uh, customer-facing, and um, internal-facing jobs.
1: Well, I think another interesting reason for understanding these three factors is if you're someone like me and you're coming into a business from a non-business background, it can really help you understand how you can contribute the most value to a team Um, because I know something like imposter syndrome is very common for people who don't have a uh, thorough background in whatever field they're entering. So even though I had the education background, I didn't have the business background, and the first few years of working in a business was just full imposter syndrome. And so understanding how you can contribute the most value, whether you're in a uh, revenue-generating role or a cost role, but that is you understand the ways – the ways that you're contributing value and the different ways really the nuances of which you're communicating with customers or your internal team or the market um it's just a value add for you to grow yourself professionally
0: right i agree with that well and you know one of the things that uh, an employee does for a firm is they act as an agent for their constituency mm-hmm. so you know if you're a customer facing person in an organization you act as an agent for the customer if you're a supplier or an external facing um, uh, person in an organization, you are really representing your company to that supplier base. You're the agent for the company to the suppliers of the external sources. And if you're an internal um, facing person, you're acting as the agent for the organizations you serve. So if you're the the, uh, finance person doing treasury, you are actually um, the agent for the different divisions of the organization that may have global, uh, you know, currency issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And and why this is important to know is that, you know, if you understand this, you can understand uh, what skills you need to develop to um, maximize your effectiveness in the role. And as you said, sometimes in a small organization, you play all three roles. Yeah. But you have to be able to understand who you're acting as the agent for at the time mm-hmm. and maximize it. And I see people get in trouble sometimes because they'll be treating uh, the supplier like they're the customer, for example, Yeah. and fighting on the supplier's behalf inside the organization, which is not really the role of that person. Mm-hmm. But if they're customer-facing in, in their main job, it's easy to get confused about that. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's one of the things to think about. Um, You know, a client-facing person, um, really their job is to help understand the client's needs and solve customers' needs, wants, and problems. Um, For example, if you talk about a restaurant, because through this series I've been using restaurants, Mm -hmm. everybody goes to them, they understand them. Mm -hmm. Um, The wait staff um, is a great example of customer-facing. You know, they really are focused on understanding what the customer wants, uh, making sure they know what the customer needs in terms of Mm -hmm. the, you know, the things they want with their food
1: Making and then sure they're happy
0: make sure they're happy and they represent the customer back to the kitchen yeah um, and if a customer isn't happy then it's their job to resolve the customer's problem that's a customer facing position um, indeed.com has an excellent article on the nine traits of successful customer facing employees uh, on their website now I would really highly recommend going and looking at that um, uh, nine traits. good thing for you too um, so i think you know those are good skills uh, to understand if you're customer facing
1: right which if you're going if you're making a career transition and you don't have a traditional business background you know, in my experience, I transitioned into marketing in an industry where I was the customer. I was a teacher. I was evaluating curriculum and selecting curriculum, helping to test things with my students, make recommendations to my principal, give feedback to companies. I did all that stuff when I was in the classroom. So when I transitioned into marketing, that was the easiest aspect for me to really pick up and shine. And it's still, I think, even in my new role, like it's still what I hear the most feedback on of kind of where I'm the strongest is the way that I'm able to communicate with our customers. Um, there's an authenticity there that I think really puts you at an advantage for, you know, not having that traditional background, but really knowing the customers so deeply and being able to not only empathize with them, but speak the language and, and then translate that back to the company as well.
0: Great. I think that's really helpful. I, I think, um, you know, if we move on to uh, external facing roles, you know, these roles are positions where the employee represents the company to outside parties, such as mm-hmm. suppliers, manufacturing partners, service companies, delivery, logistics partners. Um, but while they want the external parties to understand the business, they're not necessarily the agent for that party. They're the agent for the firm to that party and a really good external facing um person, will not only figure out how to communicate the needs of the company to the suppliers effectively, but they'll also be looking for other things such as, are there other suppliers that they could be doing if this supplier doesn't perform? Um, They think about the fees that they're being charged. They're they're paying attention to the service they're getting. And so an external facing um, role is really responsible for thinking about those suppliers and those partners and making sure that they are getting what they need from uh, those companies. Essentially, an external facing role is really a customer to, their, to those partners and suppliers. And you know, when you're smaller, a lot of times you think, well, we're at a disadvantage because we're small and we're lucky that they'll even do business with us. But that's really a dangerous approach. Yeah. You really have to think about it from what's the role of, of this position. This position's role is to represent the organization um, and make sure that we're managing the suppliers. And then we talked already about the business or internal facing rules. Um, And they're usually focused on the planning, development, and or production of products or services used by the company internally or for external consumption. So in your case, it may be the production people that are working on the materials that you're going to use or that you're going to provide to your customers.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, well, another thing I've learned too is that... So I was on a startup team that was, you know, five people. And so we, we could all work in one room and, and communicate in real time and, you know, realize that even on a team that small, having, um, having some organization to the way that we communicate, like, really makes an impact on our productivity. And now it's interesting. My team is about 12 or 13 people. And even on a team that size... It's amazing how much gets lost um, between different departments because I think we are all wearing so many hats and doing, you know, there's two people doing the work of an entire marketing department, and we do a lot of robust marketing. Our our, uh, program team, again, is like two people, and they're supporting millions of students. And so it makes the way that we communicate even because we're a small team it's even more important that whatever our materials are that we are sharing with each other and how we're keeping each other updated on what we're doing and then how we're how we're doing it's so critical and it, it I think what I've learned is bringing the same attention and consideration and thought to that as you do to your customer facing and your external facing that was something again I mean I said this before but I that was new very new for me I didn't anticipate it and there was more of a learning curve than I anticipated.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good that you bring that up because where we see this a lot in business is with salespeople who mm-hmm. view themselves as external facing people. You know, that's their customer facing, I mean. Right. And that their role is to deal with the customers. They don't want to deal with the internal. Um and a lot of times they don't want to do things like share their pipeline, share you know, share their customer um, relationship management information, it's like, that's mine. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is the better you do with that if you're a salesperson, the more resources you get from the internal organizations because they know what you need. You know, in most companies, everybody has the same goal, which is how do we maximize our sales? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I'll see salespeople say, oh no, my job is deal with the customers. I don't want to do that paperwork. I don't want to be do, do that reporting. But the problem is, is when they do that, they're not paying attention to their internal facing organizations they're actually cheating themselves mm-hmm. because there's resources that are available if they make it uh, obvious mm-hmm. um a, an example though of a purely internal facing role is in the restaurant if we stay with that the line cooks are mm-hmm. an internally facing role totally. matter of fact you don't want somebody with grease all over their apron going out and talking to customers right um you know you don't want them necessarily going and spending time at the farmers markets finding you know produce right. what you want them to do is you want them to take the order process the order as efficiently as possible mm-hmm. and get it out
1: yeah you and, could not function without them <laughs> right
0: you can't you need them same thing you know uh, one of the internal roles in bigger businesses is your factory people mm. you know your manufacturing and your shipping departments are internally facing roles they're really handling boxes they're you know pushing things around but they're not dealing with customers They're not dealing with suppliers if you look at Amazon for example All those people that work in the Amazon distribution centers are internal facing. They're not dealing with customers. They're not dealing with um, the suppliers. They're just processing those orders, and they're critical. Mm -hmm. But I'll give you another example from Amazon. The Amazon delivery people are customer facing. And go look online and YouTube at how many things there are about Amazon delivery people or FedEx delivery people not doing a good job and not acting as agents mm-hmm. appropriately for the customers that they're servicing. Mm-hmm. And so you can see how important it is to think about customer facing, external facing and internal facing roles and even if you have all three, paying attention to who you're an agent for.
1: Well, but I'll, uh, so the other thing I didn't expect about those internal facing roles is in a small or medium-sized business, you know, we use a lot of software to automate some of those jobs just because we don't have the people. And it was really challenging to have to learn, <laughs> for example, like our marketing software that we're using, which integrates with our CRM. It was so challenging to learn the software, which is built for these like business pro- like these marketing uh, processes and principles that like I'm just not super familiar with so that was again like that steep learning curve for me was this is a tool that i know is going to help our marketing team communicate with our sales team so that we are exchanging information like automatically as we're as leads are coming in as and as we're nurturing these leads and converting them but i am not well enough versed in the nuances of like setting up campaigns and like managing massive lists of leads. And so having to learn the software while also kind of refreshing and learning all these new principles, which I was like loosely familiar with, but didn't know well enough to use the software well, right off the bat, it was just a longer learning curve than I anticipated.
0: Well, and, you know, to what you just said there, you know, that tool is an internal facing tool. It's for planning. It's for setting things up. Customers don't see that. They see the results of that. Mm -hmm. They see the effect of you placing these um, materials out there in the campaigns, but they don't actually interface with those tools directly. That's an internal facing tool. And understanding that and understanding that, hey, I got to learn that because if I don't, I'm not providing the information to the customers appropriately. Well, and none
1: of this is rocket science. So having like being able to anticipate the different aspects of communication that you may be contributing to as you transition into business can just help you prepare for where you want to spend your most time learning like it's not impossible to learn it just take more time than you're giving it Mm
0: -hmm. no I, i agree well so while this may appear to be something that only big companies think about it's not you know this this uh, internal customer and external facing mm-hmm. let's start with the let's stay with the restaurant business start with a food trailer maybe the food trailer only has room for one or two people let's start with one a breakfast t- taco fanatic that starts a food trailer that person that has a food trailer has a customer facing role they're the ones taking the orders and talking to the customers they have an external or supplier facing role they're the ones going to the store getting the materials. And they have the internal role. They're actually doing the production in the food trailer. Mm -hmm. But let's say it does well, and that person opens up a brick and mortar restaurant. No longer can that one person do all three roles, and they have to make a decision. What's the first thing I'm gonna do? I'm gonna hire more customer-facing people. I'm gonna hire more internal or external-facing people. And if you were successful with the food trailer, maybe you just hire customer-facing. You get somebody to be at the front and, you know, seat people take the orders and collect and you cook and you do the shopping and the, you know, the materials. You're doing the supplier external facing and you're doing the uh, internal facing. But you know that can't go on forever. And mm-hmm. as you start growing, you get more customers, you gotta decide what you hire next. And it would be a problem if all you did was kept hiring more customer facing people like mm-hmm. wait staff because you'd have a room full of people waiting for their food and you would be the one cooking. Right. So, you know, really thinking about these things is important. And we're going to talk in a later one, a later episode, about how do you decide what the priorities are for hiring um, staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some really good management tools and tips for how you figure that out. Um, so, you know, I think I said this in the last time, you know, one of the things that's important um, is that you need to focus on these areas because you have to think about... Um, This concept of being clear about the roles and responsibilities and making sure that you're not playing five-year-old soccer, my favorite term, which is everybody chases the same ball and Mm -hmm. no one plays a role. And um, in the future episodes, we're going to talk about prioritizing activities and hiring based on business criteria, as I said, but I really wanted people to understand from the last podcast, podcast episode number two, we talked about the functions of business, Things like marketing, sales, support, human resource, administration. Um, And on this one, we spent a much deeper dive into the orientation of those organizations and those roles. And these are really important um, scaffolding to build in your understanding. Because as we get into things like uh, accounting and understanding what the difference is between accounts payable, accounts receivable, um, the reporting that has to be done, cash flow, uh, it's really important to understand where those roles are and, you know, who they're servicing and what they're intended for. Mm-hmm. Um, any last thoughts you have on this? Does this make sense to you?
1: Yeah, it does make sense to me. It, it's kind of bringing me to, you know, cause when I think back, so I left the classroom and I joined a startup here in Austin, really, really tiny, wonderful company. And now I'm at a larger startup, still in education in New York city. Um, that's really kind of at the brink of massive growth. Um, and one of the hardest things with about entering this industry on the business side and thinking about how are we going to create a profitable company that grows and grows and grows is where is our revenue coming from which in a in the restaurant example it's very clear you sell food you make money but in a lot of industries it's not necessarily as clear especially education how are you becoming profitable where and how are you making money i think a lot of like app developers face this sort of question are you trying to go for this huge user base or are you trying to sell something and so i think that having clarity on what that pathway is and how these different communication facing aspects play into how you're going to make money is really, really critical because, you know, I hear your example of like five-year-olds playing soccer where you're all chasing the ball, but on a small team, like everybody has different roles. So even if you're all chasing one ball, you're doing that in what looks like very different ways. So you may not recognize that you're all chasing one ball. Um... Or that everybody's chasing like ball. Everybody's not even chasing the ball. Everybody's like chasing a butterfly and like not even paying attention to the game. Um, So I think being able to take a critical look at where you're investing your time and your effort on. Is it on your customers? Is it on your external supply? Um, Is it on your backline production? Like understanding what part of that is driving your business forward is is what should inform where you're placing your stock. And for somebody coming in without a background, you know, that that can be really overwhelming and challenging. So really understanding, like I said, how you can contribute value in the role you're playing and in who you're interacting with and who you're interfacing with, and then the role that that plays in the larger organization and how you are driving revenue or helping reach goals, whether that is a revenue goal or a customer growth goal. Um, it's really fun but it it's not easy I've that that is is why I felt so kind of drowning when I first started in business and in marketing as I was learning all these all these skills but I could tell it felt like I was just treading water trying to make sense of what I was doing why I was doing it was I contributing value and was my value moving the company forward yeah
0: well and I would say one of the tricks for figuring that out if you're new is talking to your management your manager direct your Mm -hmm. direct manager and saying who's my most important customer who who do i pay more attention to is it an internal group like the sales team is it the customers is my priority the customers or is my priority working with the suppliers you know and understanding that is really important because if the boss says look your job is to work with our customers then the next question should be okay, who are the customers? And mm-hmm. make sure that you understand that piece or there's agreement, or if there's not, get to an agreement about how you figure that out. But if your job is supposed to be, if your boss thinks your job is engaging and being the agent for the customers, and you think your job is supporting the sales team with better marketing literature, you have a problem. Yeah, So, but
1: I'll also say, if you are coming in from a non-business background, and I'm just saying, if you're someone like me, you are entering the business world because you know you have a reason. You have a strong why. You want to bring value. You want to make change. And so I also would caution you, and maybe this is not good advice for everybody, um, not to default to what your manager tells you. But you know, to, when you to take that next step and really contribute a lot of value, you want to get yourself to a level I think where you can also be advocating for where you think the investment makes sense. Say, hey, you know, I know that I'm spending 80% of my time on internal-facing communication right now, but here's why I think I would contribute more value if I was to, you know, work on this part of the communication. Right. Or something but like so
0: that. I will take to where you started with this. If I was your manager and you were drowning when you first came in right, right. and you said that to me, right. I would say you're not you understanding you're your about. job. Yeah. I think you have to get your feet under you yeah, and understand totally. first from your direct manager what their expectations are, especially in the early stage because mm-hmm. you're trying to build your credibility in your organization. And is really a problem if you don't know. But I do agree with you. As you get you know settled, you can't rely on what your manager said alone. You have to develop that. But you got to start from something.
1: Right. Well, thanks. Which Jess. just goes to show that these understanding these principles and then continuing to revisit them isn't just important when you are first starting to walk into and or think with a business lens, but as you continue to nurture your career and grow as a business person.
0: Right. I agree with that. Well, and, you know, again, as we go through this whole series, you know, we're going to do deeper dives in the different functional pieces I think people will understand more of the nuances about what you're talking about. But I think that if you understand these high-level principles we talked about in these last couple podcasts, it sets you up nicely to be able to really dig deeper as we go into these deeper um, concepts. The other thing I would say is it's really helpful if you don't understand what we're talking about is look around the organization you work at mm-hmm. and try to figure out what the functions are the different people do totally. and who, they are, who they're agents for. Who are they responsible to? And I will bet you will also find people that don't really line up to what you think they should be doing. Yep. And it, it stands out pretty quickly if you use those lenses. That's the end of this episode, and I uh, hope that you enjoyed this and uh, this made uh, the orientation of these functions a little bit clearer. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you in the next episode when we will cover the legal structures of business. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks, Dad. Business Sensemaker podcast. More information about this episode or the podcast series is available at www.businesssensemaker.com. Please leave a review for this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever audio streaming service that you are listening to this on. Until next time, take care.